Hello and welcome into episode four of the Stomp the Bus podcast. This is Mark Harris. I am with my clean-shaven co-host, Colton Dodgson. How's it going, man? Yes, it's good. I feel so much lighter. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, my background. I had a really good one for today. and We're using a new uh, revolutionary recording software, um, and I couldn't use it. But I'm sure I'll set the stage for you with a little bit of imagery. Um, I'm sure everybody remembers USC's trip to Tempe in 2014. Um, and the tarmac game? That came out after that game because of a certain coach's state of mind and ASU still lost. Um, that was 2015. That I think that was 2015. Well, what was it? 2015. Oh, wait, no, that was our freshman year. No, no, no. Our freshman year was the Jail Mary. Oh, and they right. were, yeah. You're right, you're right. It was 2015. I stand corrected. Um, when the so Sark-led USC Trojans kicked the crap out of ASU despite him being drunk. Yeah. yeah. It was a picture of Sark, <laughs> um, and he was vertical with another one of his players, and the Inferno was in the background, and all of the students were just like this. And the information that came out later about how Sark was just salt in the wound. Oh, yeah. Um, that was tough. Because Todd Graham lost to uh, a coach who wasn't necessarily sober on the <laughs> sidelines, so... In, in fairness, a lot of people don't come into Sun Devil Stadium sober, so Sark was just uh, just uh, enjoying it like a local. Yeah, uh, I love the uh, I love how you go into the stadium and it says "Abandon all hope, ye who enter here," and it's like I don't know. Everybody who comes in should have a pretty optimistic outlook. Their odds are pretty good. <laughs> I don't know why they need to abandon hope. Oh man. Well, we're off to a good start. Um, yeah. Optimistic views for ASU right now. No, um, we're actually going to start with something that happened outside of ASU, just to kind of get it out of the way. But on Tuesday, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, who's actually from Phoenix or the Phoenix area, and went to ASU. He went to ASU and GCU, so Valley native. Um, anyway, he talked about. Uh, a lot of stuff at Big Ten Media Days on Tuesday, um, and the general theme of his remarks were the Big Ten is going to continue to be aggressive. He mentioned trying to be like a disruptor in the industry, so that's great. Um, and the day that happened on Tuesday, Brett McMurphy of the Action Network reported that uh, – a source told him that uh, Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, Miami, and Florida State are being considered as potential members to the Big Ten. Uh, Kevin Warren didn't come out and say that. It was a sources told the Action Network that. So we all knew, know Notre Dame, the Big Ten wants Notre Dame. Basically, once Notre Dame makes a decision, that's kind of where uh, if they say yes, they want to go to the Big Ten, that's kind of what they're waiting on. But I think it was interesting that Kevin Warren basically isn't like playing nice right now or at, uh, or at least publicly not. And how that relates to ASU is I think there's been a lot of like recent reporting in the past few weeks post the initial news that like, oh, the Big Ten's done adding – Oregon and Washington would have been added already if the Big Ten wanted them. They just would have come along with the L.A. schools. Uh, but if you're ASU leadership, if you're Michael Crow, if you're Ray Anderson, you can be, you can, you know, make all the statements you want about staying loyal to the Pac-12. And personally, I kind of hope that that's what happens. I hope that the Pac-12 stays together for the next, I don't know, decade or so, and then who knows what happens. But regardless, you need to listen to those Kevin Warren comments and just make sure you have a Big 12 contact on speed dial ready to call right away the instant potentially the tweet comes across my timeline of Oregon, Stanford, Notre Dame, and Washington are 
going to the Big Ten, you know? Like, no no being high and mighty above the Big 12. I get that all the schools maybe don't necessarily align with presidential, President Crow's views, uh, particularly BYU and Baylor. Uh, but, sorry, like, it, it's an athletic conference and... Going to the Big Twelve personally, like, isn't pre- isn't like the best ideal situation, but it's also a lot worse than getting left behind in whatever the Pac twelve would be without Oregon and Washington. You know, right? And it looks here that it looks based on. Sorry, my, my face got really big. I don't know why the <laughs> thing adjusted. But regardless, more of your beautiful um, face to see. Yeah, whatever you say, Mark. Um, <laughs> looks like obviously they're trying to the big 10 at least is trying to sort of get every school from the big 12 from that whole west coast Um, well that's what's being that's what's being like publicly said i mean who knows what will actually happen but yeah yeah so you got stanford cal washington oregon that would knock out the rest of those except for oregon state i guess the rest of those uh west coast schools so uh, and then something else that stood out was that literally every Power Five conference school not in the SEC has reached out to the Big Ten. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the same old story, like different day. You know, it's this is going to go on for a while. I thought that we were kind of like on the other side, like what had <laughs> happened, what was going to happen has already happened, and uh, I think I'm wrong. <laughs> I think there could be. Yeah. Uh, could be we'll news. see. From now until whenever, I I would not be shocked whenever news may come out about any of this. Um, right. Yeah, right here. Regarding expansion, I get asked every single day, what's next? Uh, so it's it's an ongoing process, and we just kind of need to keep our eyes out. And, um, I don't need to be on Twitter because Mark sends me everything of note anyway. That's right. Um, so I don't really need I, – I, Mark is basically my push notification. So when I get that message from Mark, I'll know that something happened. Um, so I'll just keep an eye out for that. And yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, in the story on the Action Network, there's a quote said, quote, it could be two months or two years, another source said. There could be an odd number and there could uh, be not any specific number of teams. So it's just so vague. And basically, like, for me, like, Maybe this is just posturing and they're just waiting for Notre Dame to make a decision type of deal. But you can't just 100% know that. And so, like I said, if you're ASU, you have to have a contingency plan. And really the only contingency plan is the Big 12 unless somehow the SEC wants you because of the Phoenix market. And maybe that's possible a few years down the road, but not right now. Um, And a few other things that stood out to me is We've heard Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, and then Stanford just because of their connection with Notre Dame and just the Stanford institution being so unique. I swear to God, if Cal gets in the Big Ten and ASU doesn't, I'm going to be pissed. Like, Cal, I get it that they're a better academic institution than ASU. I'm not denying that, but their fans don't care. Like, we say ASU fans are on the side of not caring, but Cal, it's a whole other level. And... Um, yeah, I don't think ASU fans don't care. I just think a lot of times their passion is very uh, misdirected or uh, fleeting. Yeah, yeah, it almost comes off as like, "Are you aware of what's happening?" They're just like blindly loyal. I feel like. Well, some some are and some aren't, but and we're gonna get to that later. But um, yeah, that's true. Uh, and then the other thing that stood out is if I'm a Clemson fan and I'm reading this article that says that. No, Big Ten's considering Miami and Florida State, I would be pissed too. Like, what the heck, you know? Uh, that's, yeah, that's the bulk of the ACC right there. Yeah. So that's just something to keep an eye on. It may not it may not even amount to anything, but um, I, I, just, I just hope that the ASU leadership does not just completely rule out the Big 12 because it's not the right. preferred destination. But look, I just saw this where it says uh, if the Pac-12 were no longer a power league. So if this happens where the, the Big Ten takes, you know, Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Washington, and then the Big 12 swoops in and takes uh, the four that are mentioned, U of A, ASU, all those schools. In uh, the Rose, could the Rose Bowl actually still be an auto bid for the Pac-12? They're saying it might pivot to a Big Ten, Big yeah. 12 matchup. Yeah, I'd imagine. Which, 
Yeah, that's that's interesting too. I mean, it's it's going to be insane. Yeah. For, there's going to be so much going on over the next couple of years. So. Yeah, because all the TV contracts have to be finalized. You have Pac-12 is you know talking about its. P- media contract and the big 12 has theirs like the year after it's just it's gonna be a lot there's gonna be a lot of churn these next few years um anyway i just want the playoff expanded that's all i care about once that happens i'll be like all right some good news i think that that will happen i think that's almost certainly gonna happen um so yeah we'll we'll see how that goes um anyway we have pac-12 media day tomorrow which should be very interesting um few little housekeeping notes. ASU had three players make the first and second all-conference team. Uh, only one player on the first team, that would be DJ Taylor as a first-team return specialist. And then... Wait, Mark, Mark, you buried the lead. You didn't tell them that Stomp the Bus is credentialed and we'll be doing a live show from uh, Pac-12 Media Day yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, uh, except... We won't be, unfortunately. What? You no. Told me our application was approved. <laughs> no, they didn't. This is why I don't want to work with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, we'll we'll just have to react to Pac-12 Media Day and not actually be there. But um, we're men of the people. We're finding out just like everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, DJ Taylor makes it as a first team. Return specialist, that makes sense. He's a very explosive returner. Uh, if Sun Devil fans remember, he was the guy who opened the 70-7 to win with a return. So he's definitely a good choice for that. Um, and then they, they have two guys on the second team. Uh, Ladarius Henderson is a second team O-lineman. And then Merlin Robinson is a second Robertson as a second team linebacker. And then two honorable mention guys. Uh, Kyle Soeli and Xavier Valde. So I could see Valde being on one of the uh, postseason all-conference teams. We'll have to see about that. But a uh, few guys there, and most of the people selected, I'm looking at a list right now. It's a lot of, it's a lot of USC and Utah, <laughs> which makes a lot of sense. So... Um, those figure to be two of the best teams in the league. There's some Oregon guys mixed in there. More Oregon States um, than in past years, and that kind of shows the strength of that program getting better. Uh, so, yeah, and then where was ASU picked to finish? I thought that uh, we would see this information after the media day, but... Um, it came out today. Colton, I'm going to let you guess. Where Out of 1 to 12, where do you think ASU was picked to finish this season? I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say 10. Did you uh, read it before? I, have, I had it pulled up. Oh, okay. Your yeah, 10. <laughs> 10 uh, yeah, they're, they're number 10. Uh, that, <laughs> uh, no surprise there for Colton, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so ASU um, – Pick to be number ten in the conference. Um, from the out, honestly, like from the outside perspective, that feels right. Um, I don't know if they will actually finish tenth in the conference, but kind of just where every how they're being talked about. They ahead of Arizona and below Cal. Um, it it's not surprising. It may not finish that way. We'll see. Um, and then they had Utah as number one. Got twenty six first place votes. So. A lot of the USC hype is kind of coming from, I guess, the media members who weren't voting in this poll because they had USC actually third behind Oregon. So does anything really stand out to you among the Pac-12 football preseason media poll? Yeah, just sort of the shifts by the, I guess, the perennial bottom dwellers that, you know, you're used to seeing at the bottom of these polls, like Oregon State, uh, Cal, years past, even Stanford has, has been near the bottom. Uh, so seeing them start to climb a little bit, it's kind of a a reminder of the trajectory that ASU is on. Um, right. While other schools are starting to build and improve, and you're seeing these programs, Oregon State at five is extremely impressive. Yeah. Um, 
It is. schools start to climb a little bit, and ASU is moving in the opposite direction. Um, so that really stood out to me. Obviously still ahead of U of A, but based on like reports and everything that I've been reading about both of these programs, I, I wouldn't have been shocked to see those two flip. Yeah, I wouldn't have been either. It seems like they're on opposite trajectories. Yeah. Um, but And then Colorado at the very bottom, that's a fall from grace for them. Obviously, Mel Tucker leaving a couple years ago has sort of culminated in this. Um, yeah. But they were another team that was near the top for for quite a while. Well, that I mean, they had like one good year. Like, they, I don't know. Colorado. They, they were kind of in that, that uh, like, wazoo mold a little bit where they were always going to be competitive. Like, playing Colorado was never like playing Oregon State, you know? So yeah. Those, those shifts a little bit are, are with, I, I guess, some of the perennial. So, like, Colorado is more of like a perennial middle tier team, and now having them at the very bottom is interesting. Right. Uh, yeah, I agree with kind of that yeah. point. But, yeah. But they've been. Seeing the climbs and the falls is what really stood out. Right, right. Yeah, Colorado's been hit bad by the transfer portal this year, too. So, uh, and ASU, when they played last year, ASU didn't really even like. They pretty much just ran the ball the whole time and killed them. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. if they didn't really. Colorado. They, you know, Right. Usually, um, yeah. Yeah. So I went to that ASU Colorado game last year. And, uh, yeah. Everybody has a everybody has a betting story now, right? Right. Because it's legal, so everybody's it's everybody's new hobby. Um, and it, it's I I refer to it as more of a vice. Very seldom do I have fun doing it <laughs> because of things like I'm about to uh, describe. So I. It, like you said, it was just a run fest. Not a whole lot of points in the early, in the early going, I guess. Right. Uh, so I checked the live total, and I'm pretty sure I had it at uh, I think it was 33 and a half. Okay. And I think they scored about maybe I think it was like 13, 13 to 17 points at half, and I was like, all right, let's do it. You know, buckle up. Let's we're in the bleed the. the Nose bleeds anyway. Let's make this interesting. Um, and, and the game was pretty like secure for ASU. And Colorado was doing the patented drive for pride, where no points that they score are going to influence the outcome of the game, but they still are trying to score. Right. It's it's, it's kind of like the Tom Thibodeau thing. If you ever watched a, a Knicks game. They are going. I don't play. watch a lot of Knicks games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not not a big fan of seeing Julius Randle uh, take uh, contested long twos <laughs> that clang right. off the backboard. It's the it's the classic um, classic like you play to the whistle sort of mentality. Right, 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 right. So Pardo Colorado, mentality. I have. I think I had two point two and a half points to school spare. So if Colorado kicks the field goal, it goes over. Right, and Colorado lines up with like a minute left in the game. I think they're down by like fourteen or something. So okay, like maybe seventeen. This math isn't adding up. I'm aware of that. I I, I have the box score on my phone. Okay, okay, you help me out. Here, okay, so this will, this will at eight thirty in the fourth quarter, Jaden Daniels' fifteen yard run. ASU goes up thirty five ten. So the game's over. Right, and okay. then. So I didn't have thirty. Seven and a half points. Whatever the under was, though, that's what you had. Right, I had okay. under forty-seven and a half. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and then what happened? Yeah. So Colorado gets the ball, and they go on this uh, this patented drive for pride. That's right. That that all the hardo coaches in sports um, pride themselves on. You play to the whistle, that sort of thing. And again, thirty-five to ten. Nothing you do will influence the outcome of this game. Uh, how much time was left when they kicked the field goal, Mark? Three minutes and 54 seconds. Yeah, three minutes, 54 seconds left in this game. Colorado lines it up and kicks a field goal. Um, the details of that story were a little fuzzy to me, so it was. Uh, I, I feel like I could cut down on the time, but uh, that's why I have. Were you in Steve Sarkeesian mode? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. No, that, that was uh, the earlier days. 
engineers of this show. But right. um, <laughs> that's why I, I'm kind of pleased to see Colorado near the bottom because of what they did to me last year and that uh, that crushing loss. But yeah. people people will come here to hear about my uh, my gambling defeats. Your gambling vices, yeah. Uh, it was fourth and five at the ASU 15, 33-yard <laughs> yeah. field goal. Oh, they my God. They don't, that's what happened. Is I'm like, if you're trying to win the game, yeah. the field, or go for the touch, like go right. for it, right? And they line up to kick the field goal and just, just took the points. Well, also, like, from a team perspective, like, what's the difference between losing 35-10 to 10 and losing 35-13? Like, there's no... It made absolutely zero sense. <laughs> Like, I there know. Was no rationale other than points are better than no points that made sense in that scenario. For yeah. Colorado to go for it. The only time I understand that is when you're getting shut out and you kick the field goal. You're you're down like twenty to nothing with like two minutes left in the game. You kick the field goal just to say you didn't get shut out. That's the only time that's acceptable. Uh, is that like a is that like a general like uh what what am I what's the word I'm looking for like courtesy courtesy thing. To like you know how you would take a knee or whatever, right? Kind of Colorado saying like we don't want to hurt any defense. No, no, I don't think so because yeah, because they were down. Like if you're down at any point in the game, like it, it's fine to just keep going. You know, like so. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Are they like it's so out of hand that we're just gonna kick the field goal here and not risk? I don't any sort of injury. I don't know. I don't really see how. I think probably what they just wanted to get some points because they didn't trust their offense to get a touchdown there. So, yeah, I don't I, know. I don't know, but that was brutal. Yeah, I forgot the details that I kind of just tapped into, like some PTSD for me. It's all flooding back. No, you've told me about this story before. So once you said Colorado, I could, I was like, oh, I can look this game up. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it was it was crushing. Anyway. Uh, speaking of crushing, George Klyovkov has to uh, give a public address tomorrow at the Pac-12 Media Day. Um, I'm going to be interested to see his tone, um, if he says anything particularly uh, noteworthy. It, does he take the high road in terms of U- USC and UCLA? How does he uh, address the other commissioners? Kevin Warren is basically saying um, Big Ten is might still be open for business. Uh, Brett Yormark in the Big 12 literally said the Big 12 is open for business, implying that, hey, we want the Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado. Uh, I just think it's going to be interesting to see if Klyovkov, do they have any like concrete news about a TV deal or something with the ACC or whatever? Um, I will be very interested to see what he says. Uh, my gut tells me that he'll probably just give, just try to get through it and not say anything particularly stupid and just move on because in the end, like it's good to put up a good strong front, but ultimately it's just a press conference, you know? So. Right. And I, I mean, we talked about this with the, the Ray Anderson news last week. Right. I, I don't expect anything groundbreaking or any huge news to come out. All of that stuff usually leaks anyway. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm sure he's just going to go up and talk about how strong the Pac-12 is. And, uh, right. Wish USB and UCLA, which is weird because they're still in the conference for two years. So it's like, I, I don't know. But If well, I were him, yeah, I oh, if I were him, I would say I would keep it cool, but I would also just kind of throw in there like, yeah, you know, if USC wasn't being mediocre this past decade, we might not be in this position. <laughs> You know, because USC's ineptitude, keeping Clay Helton for so long and having the issues that came before it and hiring terrible athletic directors, uh, where does that sound familiar? Kind of kept the, yeah, kind of kept the, yeah, kind of kept the conference down. So it'll interest, I bet some of the, I mean, I feel sorry for some of these coaches and players, like especially the salty coaches, they're just going to be asked about realignment all day and they have no like the coaches have no control over it yeah uh, that's not really a coach question you know yeah but at the same time you still have to ask it um and then i, I saw yeah yeah, yeah I, I guess you do i guess you could approach it more from the angle of like i don't know what's your recruiting I don't know how you would ask the coach that question more from the angle of like how do you feel about teams that you might have to be not playing anymore in a right 
Yeah, just yeah. from like the coaching perspective, but I don't know. It seems like, what do you think of realignment? Is yeah. There, no, I know. Somebody's, somebody's going to hit them with a talk about realignment. <laughs> <laughs> talk about. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So that'll be uh, interesting to see if anything comes out of that. Um, and then, yeah, so the two ASU players who got sent uh, to Pac-12 Media are Ladarius Henderson, who we mentioned, and then also Kyle Soeli. Uh And both of these guys, uh, they've been with the program for a while, specifically Soeli. He's been there. I think he was on the team, on the 2017 team, as like a redshirt freshman. Like, he's been on the team for a long time, because I vaguely remember covering him being on the team, but... Uh, maybe he started in 2018, but either way. Uh, these are basically the two like leaders of the team, Soeli being the defense, Henderson being the offense. Uh, and those two, along with a few other players, spoke with Doug Haller of The Athletic, who basically wrote a story on Monday after ASU's personal media day, um, kind of just asking the players what they thought of the – what they thought uh, of – the season going into the year um, in light of all the negative attention that's come to ASU this off season. And they were very confident. Um, they were very confident in their team this season. They, uh, Henderson particularly, he made a lot of references to like, yeah, some of these guys transferred out, but we're not going to miss all of them, you know, and also saying that we brought in some guys in. Um, I just thought I get that the players are going to put up a United front and say like, Oh, like, you know, we think we're going to win and this and that, but it felt a little, like a little more defiant, you know? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It doesn't look like Soeli was one of the players that they interviewed. Henderson is definitely in here. Oh, was Soeli um, not in there? Oh, okay. No, it's, it's Jordan Clark, Ben Scott, Case Hatch. Tamarcus Davis, Henderson. Michael Matus. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, Tamarcus Davis and Michael uh, Matus. Mattis? It's, it's Matus. Oh, you know why? Okay, because I saw... Okay, Soeli was interviewed also that same day, and he made a comment about no team that I'm on is going to win um, five games or less. So basically saying, okay, but it so wasn't part of this story, but it, it echoes the same theme. Um, yeah, no, it, it, the point remains, Harris. Don't worry. Yeah, but did did you see any particular quotes in there? Um, I mean, it's it's. I kind of liked what Henderson said here when uh, Doug asked after a great spring, several players transferred for personal and NIL reasons. What was that time like, and how did you respond? And uh, Henderson said, it's like, okay, football is what? First downs, third yep. downs, and touchdowns. Can we still get those without some of these guys? Most definitely. This train doesn't stop moving. We know it held us back last year. If we can get away from those things, a few guys don't matter. So that one really jumped out. And it's, it's, I love the sort of simplification of it all because it's like, oh, who's going to finish here? Who's going to do what this year? We're projecting seven wins. And it's like, at the end of the day, football is exactly what he just described. Right. First downs, third downs, and touchdowns. Right. So I, I really enjoyed that over uh, simplification there um, and trying to sort of shut out that outside noise. But yeah, that, that sentiment of confidence is something you see where it's just like, they, they, it's, I love it. I love my teammates. I love my coaches. I love being a Sun Devil, all of these things, you know, and our backs are against the wall. That's how we like it. Uh, will, will we still be underdogs in week seven, week eight? So that, that overarching theme of like, we're feeling good regardless of how everybody else is feeling is definitely consistent throughout. Yeah. How, yeah. how uh, I mean, they, they have to believe that they're the players. They can't say, Oh, you know, we might, we might win a couple games. Year. But it yeah, seems like they're going extra. They're not only saying like, "Oh, we're we're gonna beat expectations." Like they're gonna say, right. "Like we're gonna beat expectations by more than people think that we can." You know, which, which is very well possible. Like, yeah. Who knows what could happen? They very 
Um, I think that if I'm a player on a team like this and I see this mass exodus of people leaving and all of the stuff that's happening around this program, it's going to be like, I would feel like, okay, so nobody's acknowledging the talent that we still have here. Right. It's just USC's Lincoln Riley and uh, I don't know why his name is escaping me, Oklahoma, but Caleb Williams, all these guys, um, Big Ten, who's leaving the Pac-12, not like so much stuff yeah. beyond just the product on the field yeah. is going on. So if I'm a player on that team, I'm thinking like you still have to play these games. Right. And this right. is something we've done our entire lives. We know how to play the sport. And I think that's what uh, Ladarius Henderson was saying in that quote is like first downs, third down, third downs and touchdowns. And uh, it all boils down to you. So. I don't know. I, I, I like it. I definitely do. And I, I agree with what you're saying. It feels like it's something they genuinely believe. Um, but I, I see on our little sheet here, um, we were going to discuss the mass tweet that came out. And that kind of ties in with this point as well. I, well yeah, I wanted to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, to kind of segue into that, a lot of this from that tweet and uh, these player comments, it feels like players are really leading the charge in right. sort of stealing back this narrative of a down season and trying to look for these NIL opportunities in this sort of unprecedented landscape. It's like where I, I, you don't hear too much from, at least I haven't seen too much from, from coaches or, or guys trying to deflect from these players and not make them take the brunt of all that's happening. And it seems like they're they're speaking up for themselves, which is it, it's kind of refreshing in college football, where for so long these guys didn't really have a voice. They were student athletes, and that right. was kind of it, you know. Right, I remember right. trying to interview some of these guys when we covered the team, and you had to have like special clearance to oh. talk to them. In the Graham era, yeah, it, it's insane. So yeah. it's, it's really cool, and obviously, I, it does I, depend on the coach, like because the, yeah, they control so. It, no, Herm, from a media perspective, like, he's been more open with the, like, local media letting them in and stuff. Um, okay, well, that's... that's so good. that's I, part I of it, that. but yeah. He's a media guy himself, you know, hopefully yeah. he understands a little bit, so... Maybe he will be soon again. Say, it's refreshing to see the players leading the charge. I don't think when it comes to NIL, they should have to, and I know we're going to get to that. Right. I think NIL, you, you should have, uh, spoiler alert, a collective... To yeah. possibly help you with this stuff, but that's a very long-winded way of saying this new shift in the players leading the charge is kind of refreshing. Yeah, totally. Um, a lot of good stuff in this article, if you can read it on The Athletic. Uh, they, um, There was a question about, did you get opportunities to transfer? And a lot of them said, yeah, of course. So like, that's one thing that isn't getting talked about is like, Oh, like we always notice just the people who do transfer out, but there's not naturally, of course, there's not going to be as much news about the people who stay because that's not as right. interesting. There's not a transaction, um, and that kind of speaks volumes too. You know, trying to trying to stick around when it's not like I guess from the outside looking in, you're probably not going to be contending for a Pac-12 title this year. You know? Right. Right. At least from our perspective, so so making that decision to want to stay after everything that happened is speaks volumes too. And there are a few quotes in there that were along the lines of "We can be better this year than we were last year," and that would mean going nine and three instead of going eight and four. Uh, which, if that happens, um, that would be crazy. I don't think that's going to happen, but. Um, you, there's just you can tell there's a real us against the world mentality in that locker room, and again, I'm not trying to sound sappy, but that stuff matters, like especially in football, like, and even, especially if they have like a few losses early, um, that it's kind of that stuff that can keep a team together when um, bad things are happening. So we'll see how that plays out. I I do wonder. Um, I do wonder how the fan base reacts if they just beat, like, if somehow they beat Oklahoma State week two. I think that might change some people's perspectives, but 
We'll have to see about that. I, I, I just thought it was an interesting article and it's just, it's tough. I, I just feel so, I, I just feel bad for some of these players because um, it's just been such a tough off season. I mean, maybe not from the outside looking in, obviously. Uh, you have guys leave, you have, I mean, if you're one of the players on the team and Jaden Daniels puts out that video it was in December of 21 after the season saying, Hey, I'm staying. And then a month later he transfers out. Like that's gotta be. Yeah. That, really yeah. that didn't make any sense. Why put out that video? Well, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like had, had Jaden Daniels just transferred right after the season, like a bunch of other guys did, um, then ASU would have had more options in the transfer quarterback market. And there was a lot of the, reporting that that Spencer Rattler just would have gone to ASU. So um, I'm glad we have Emory Jones. I'm not like saying, oh, I'd rather have Spencer Rattler than Emory Jones. I think the average ASU fan probably would just because he's so much more recognizable than Emory Jones. Um, and he's from uh, Phoenix. But that's, yeah, that's just an interesting little twist in the transfer saga that has affected ASU. Um, and yeah, so... Whatever you think about how the players are, the outside noise, like at least at this point, the players are seem to be pretty confident. Uh, it'll be interesting to say what Henderson and Soeli say tomorrow at Pac-12 Media Day. Um, and you kind of said it too. It's like that that effect on a football team can't really be understated. You know, like guys aren't going to be making business decisions. I don't think guys are going to be playing all out. They're going to just for the guys around them, you know, you're going to have that, that bond of having to go through all of this stuff yeah. together. Um, and and to prove people wrong. Yeah. I don't think that can be overstated. I think you hit the nail on the head with that, especially with a game like football where, you know, guys are putting their bodies on the line. It's like, when you're yeah. looking at somebody do that, how can you not also do that? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I think it's going to, that mentality is going to spread. And at the very least, I, that mentality might be, very different from where it was last year. You know what I mean? There, there could be a big progression in that regard. So Right. Yeah, they were saying, yeah, you could tell the team chemistry wasn't like totally up to snuff last year, and that could have... Yeah, even with those like mental errors, like all the false starts in the BYU game, and not... And know, the other games. <laughs> yeah, the false starts in every game, and yeah. all of the stupid penalties, and everything that happened. Like, when you are... It was just a lack of focus, I feel like. And disconnected. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, disconnected, disjointed, not yep. focused on what's happening. And I think when you are galvanized and you're ready to go and you're locked in, that happens more like that, that's more rare. That doesn't happen as often as it did. And hopefully that's the case. Maybe we'll see some of that. Yeah. Um, but, but who knows? Hopefully it's much. Let, we see it much less than we did last year. But. Right. Yep. And then another thing that kind of rose up, um, this was also on Monday. A, uh, I don't know how many ASU players tweeted out, but it was probably at least like 20, probably more, maybe even like 20 or 30. Uh, they tweeted out a graphic that showed a Sun Devil American flag um, with the caption, Sun Devil Nation, we need you. We, the members of the Arizona State football team, wish to better connect with you and local businesses through NIL opportunities with such a vast student body and alumni base. The possibilities for what we can accomplish together is endless. Let's take action, strengthen our program and our Sun Devil community together. So this uh, obviously caught the attention of a lot of people. Um, it's... It... it <sighs> As a fan, it's kind of embarrassing that there hasn't been a, like it's it, it's it just seems like the players are on their own when it comes to NIL and there's no like facilitation from the school, you know. And I know that it's technically the rules you're not supposed to the schools aren't supposed to facilitate NIL do yeah facilitate NIL deals, but screw that like come on the, the rule book has been thrown out the window like let's get these guys some money and many of them have gotten money Daniel Ngadez with the Burrito Express. Uh, I saw Henderson and Soweli were getting NIL deals from like a local bicycle shop. And then obviously Emory Jones transferred here, got the, I think it was, I don't know how much it was, like $75,000 and like a car. And 
it was a pretty good deal, but it's it's not widespread, you know? What? Who's with Burrito Express? Uh, Daniel Ngata. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's my favorite one so far. Yeah, and I think there's a few more. Um, I think Case Hatch, uh, I think he actually got like an NIL thing with like the WWE as like a thing that the WWE was doing. Um, as like, yeah, it's a next in line thing. And they chose like 15 athletes from around the country and they weren't all, all football. So uh, good for Case Hatch doing that. But um, hopefully, hopefully these players raise attention and more of them get opportunities. Obviously the better players are going to get more opportunities than the ones who are sitting on the bench. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. And, uh, but uh you know, there's opportunities for other players to make NIL deals too. If they have a unique personality, maybe they live stream Call of Duty out of their dorm room or whatever. Like, there's a lot of opportunities for these young guys to make money. Um, it's unfortunate that a collective has not been set up yet, but I do want to get to some news that also came out that night. And this is from devilsdigest.com. In light of ASU players tweeting tonight about wanting to secure NIL deals, I did talk to the ASU NIL collective board member who told me that, quote, I understand that our kids are feeling that they're being left behind. Our collective is about three weeks away from launching um, and basically said administrative hurdles prevented it from launching sooner. Obviously, there's a bunch of legal stuff that you have to get squared away. And then there's also a because um, when people think of NIL collectives, they think of like big boosters contributing. You know, you hear out of Tennessee paying a bunch for a quarterback in Texas A&M and Miami and all this, and they're just throwing money at it. And ASU doesn't have like a Phil Knight or a T Boone Pickens or whoever uh, to just dump money into the program, at least not that I know of. And I don't think it's widely that there is just a singular figure like that, but there are a lot of boosters that aren't really investing in it right now because they want change at the top, which I understand, but um Anyway, one of the topics that Devil's Digest brought up is that there will be an option within the collective that will let just any fan donate. You can just donate like five bucks if you want to. Um, so hopefully hopefully that the collective comes to fruition. It looks like it will if they're saying three weeks. Um, and it hopefully it has the option for fans to give a little if they want to. Yeah, it looks like it will as far as like what the collective actually is. If I'm understanding this correctly, what happens is this collective is sort of a uh, group of people who, how do they, so they have the money. Are they finding the partners and then pairing them with the student athletes or how does this work? Either that or they're just paying them straight from the collective. Um, to the, do what though? Just to be... For their just being an ASU football player. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I'm following. So they don't even have to do like an advertisement or be affiliated with any companies or anything. Yeah. It would literally just be like, come to ASU, we'll, we'll pay Here's some you money. Yeah. Um, so that, that really is pay for play at that point. Yeah. Well, and ASU yeah. is totally behind on this. Well, I, and I, I will say, like, the ones that you talk about, like Texas Tech, uh, there's a story about how they're paying like every player on the team gets a certain amount or whatever, but you only kind of hear about the ones that make news. You don't hear about, I don't know, Wake Forest NAL collective, you know, cause it's just, you only hear about the ones that make news. So that's, it's kind of a self-fulfilling thing, but um, I hope that there's enough booster like, I don't say confidence because a lot of the boosters clearly are not confident in the overall direction of the program, not necessarily the players on the field, but I just hope that there's enough support for them uh, this year and we'll see how this goes. Um, I don't think anyone's transferring before the season starts, but uh, uh, a little late for that. So yeah. I feel like what we have is what we have and yeah. it's not a Um, but as far as the trying to secure that funding or that, that those donations from the larger um, the larger donors, it, it does make sense because it's like why would you shell out 
that much money to try to secure uh, the commitment of these top flight guys who probably aren't even going to choose ASU anyway, regardless of the money you throw at them, because any school in the SEC is going to be able to throw more. Right. So it doesn't even matter. But why would you commit that money if these players coming to your program isn't even going to equate to success because the program doesn't know how to utilize that? Yeah, no, and, and that's the – yeah. And so basically – because ASU is never going to be like Texas A&M and just have gobs of oil money or whatever, but they also shouldn't like basically like in listening to like some of the guys who cover the team, obviously we don't cover the team. We just talk about the team, but Cartman had a podcast, Chris Cartman from two, four, seven sports covering the sun devil source, the sun devil source covering ASU. Uh, basically he kind of detailed some of the stuff in a recent podcast that said that yes, ASU is not like the number one in terms of booster like capabilities, but they're also not dead last either, you know? And so it shouldn't be this disjointed in terms of these players finding NIL stuff. It should be more structured. And that's where the administration comes in of not having a full grasp of it, not understanding it, going on freaking local radio and saying that we're not going to, be involved with it, which is, I still cannot believe that Ray Anderson said that, but I, I just, yeah, I just don't understand why. You, anyway, um, I'm not going to go down that road, but hopefully this draws in some more people um, who want to support these kids because really like if I, I understand like not liking the leadership of this program right now, but ultimately you're still probably like you still want success for the kids on the team, you know, and to help them out. Like they, they didn't hire Herm Edwards. They didn't do the cheating scandal. Like they, they there's yeah. enough people that think that way for sure. I think that's yeah. why this collective is going to be able to launch is there's enough people who, you know, recognize that it's, it's not the, players letting them down necessarily yeah you know it's not their fault they shouldn't have to suffer for like you said they shouldn't have to suffer for a lot of the the shortcomings of this athletic department right um yeah and the thing i i I really hope that i'll I'll just say if and when the collective launches that they have a, a little button or whatever that just normal poor fans like you and I can donate five bucks or whatever, because if ASU is going to have a large collective NIL presence, it, the fact that you just have so many alumni and so many students that go to the school, having an option of, Hey, you can just donate $5. You can donate $10, whatever. And it all just goes into the same pot. If you get enough people to do that and then there's just more money to work with, obviously. So it should be interesting to see how that develops. I hope I see more guys getting deals uh, just as I'm scrolling Twitter at work. Um, but yeah, so we'll see how that goes. I hope um, I hope that these guys get paid. I mean, these guys are literally like, it's a little hyperbolic to say, oh, they're risking their life, but they're kind of risking their life playing college football. Like if you get hit the wrong way, like, it could happen, you know? So um, they're, they're playing a game that they love and the guys who are on the team now clearly want to be Sun Devils, you know? They had opportunities to leave. Like Ladarius Henderson could have left and started at a, a, a lot of places. Omar Norman Lott, who uh, he did answer, enter the transfer portal, but he came back, you know? Like, eight, like a lot of these guys aren't just like, wouldn't just go in the transfer portal and only have an option to play at Tulane or New Mexico or whatever. Like some of these guys have options and they stayed and they should be rewarded for it uh, by the community. And hopefully that happens. So, um, well said Mark. Yeah. One thing I did want to touch on though, is that one of the reasons why the NIL thing has not been so strong here is because like we've talked about, there's a lot of fans who are, or as there's a lot of boosters who are not committing what they otherwise might commit to the program. And there are a certain percentage of fans who are actively rooting against 
the team to succeed this year. And I, I'm kind of, I understand where they're coming from, you know, because if the team, if ASU goes two and 10 this year, then Herm Edwards will 100% be gone and more than likely Ray Anderson will be gone too. And then you get to start over. So I get where that's coming from. But also there's, even if ASU does do like terribly this year and worse than like people envision, there's no, that's not a guarantee that Ray Anderson's going to be fired. You know, it's just not. So that still leaves you with a lot of the same problems that got you to here in the first place. And changing, I mean, look, maybe Ray hires a great coach after Herm Edwards, who knows, but this isn't professional sports and you don't get a better lottery pick if ASU goes three and nine this year, you know? All it does is just make recruits even want to come to the program less. So I understand some fans not rooting for the success of specifically Herman Edwards, Ray Anderson, and Michael Crow when it comes to athletics, but rooting against the team, I just don't think that's really going to, I don't know. I just don't think that that's productive. No, I agree. I, I think that's, that's stupid because you're rooting for a team or you're rooting for this team to lose based on this hypothetical scenario where yes. if they do, the alternative is a brighter future, which when have they ever when has this, this program ever shown you that the grass is greener on the other side? It has never right. happened. So you, every season you're going into as an ASU fan, you need to root for some sort of, for the bounces to finally go their way, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. For the, the curse, whatever they did to have things like what happened in the BYU game happen to them. You just hope that that doesn't, bite them as hard as it did last year. There's no reason to root for them to lose. It's going to be a miserable season if that's the case. Right. You should never... I Like you said, you, you said it best when it's not a tanking scenario. It's not like you lose out and you get a better draft pick or um, you, know, you can fire your coach and go hire the next big offensive coordinator who is also friends with Sean McVay. It doesn't happen like that. It's not the, the NFL. So it, it doesn't make any sense to, to root for a team to lose where the only benefit of that is possibly hiring a coach who might be somewhat competent and then having to start from the very beginning, which they're going to have to do anyway, probably. Right. Like Herm Edwards, if he doesn't, something doesn't come of this investigation he'll probably retire like how much longer is he even going to coach there's not a coach in waiting anymore on the staff because of everything that happened with this NCAA investigation um so I think the best case scenario for this season is these guys that we've talked about on this episode that decided to stay or like Emory Jones transferred in and um all of these these guys, I, dude, I have to, I keep blanking on the Wyoming running back's name. Xavier Valde. There we go. Thank you. Valde, all these guys who are solid players transferring in and making the decision to play here. You have to hope that that wave of transfers is going to equate to some short-term success before they have to deal with the repercussions of, I mean, if the NCAA still has any power. And yeah, that's the thing. We don't even know when the final decision will come down and how severe it will even be. So that throws another wrench into it because a lot of ASU fans are treating the investigation like it's 2010 and the NCAA still has, you know, wasn't as toothless as they are now. And they actually had real power to bull bands and all this stuff. And so maybe fighting back against the NCAA will work out. I don't, the loss of recruiting is probably made it so that it won't, it 100% won't work out. But um, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say it's, it's almost like right now in the current landscape of college football, the worst thing, worse than ever that you can do is, is root for a team to lose because it's, everything is so uncertain. Right. You know, so, right. 
Right. I won't. I won't be rooting for losses. You know, I'll I'll probably get more than I would like, but I won't be rooting for them. So. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing: like, if you are rooting against ASU football, like if you are outright rooting for them to lose games, you are indirectly rooting for players to play poorly, and therefore lower their NFL draft stock, and just not have as good of an experience. And like. I'm sorry, I'm not going to root against college kids playing poorly. You know, I'm just not. Like, these guys, like I said earlier, they they have to deal with a ton of injuries uh, to play the, an extremely physical game. And I get being upset with the program. Like, I totally understand that. And I, and I do understand the fear. I, I think the fear and the reason why some people are straight up just rooting against them, rooting for them to lose is because they don't, you don't want to see them go six and six, and then for everyone to be like, "See, we told you so. We're not, we're not as bad as everyone thought." And it's like, okay, the goal isn't to be at six and six, though. You know, like what I'm hoping for is that ASU has as good of a season that it can have, and maybe Herm Edwards just walks away anyway because he's 68 years old right now. So it's not, yeah. it's not un- inconceivable he, that he just he retires. So, yeah. you know, I I agree though. It doesn't make any sense. You're you're rooting for kids to play poorly. That's that's a completely different layer to this too. That's and you're valid. And that, I mean, I yeah. think the one thing that we have to acknowledge is so much of this, like, oh, we're rooting for them to lose. We're rooting for this. It does, at its core, derive from passion. It derives. Yeah, from that is true. To want to see this team finally perform the way that people think it, it finally reached that level people think it can, it can reach or uh, the, the level it's been capable of reaching for so long it never has right it's it's that yeah that or has rarely yeah like here we go again it's like you have to find some sort of drastic change to try to shake this up again yeah you know? so at, at its core at the the very core of this thought process i think it derives from the passion of the fan I just think that's manifesting in the wrong way. Yeah. And uh, uh, because the reason I bring this up is I saw a few tweets about it. And some of the ASU players responded. And, like, if you are going to root against them, like, I know this sounds weird, but just, like, don't tweet about it. Because. Yeah. Why would you publicize that? (laughs) There was a guy who said, I would rather them go 0-12 because if they went 4-8, then her would get brought back. Which, like, okay. (laughs) I see. I don't. And also, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is ASU fans. And look, it's Twitter. Okay, so like. Yeah, I I don't want to. Inherently crazy. Twitter is the worst of the worst. But. Yeah. Some of these takes are just asinine. No, I know. Four four and eight would get a coach fired. How is four and eight? Like, yeah, yeah, now he's secure. He had such a great year. Think about, okay, especially considering ASU's schedule, too. Like, you play NAU and you. Look, if they lose to Eastern Michigan, then all bets are off. But they're most likely going to be NAU and Eastern Michigan. And then if for, for you to go 4-8, and eight, that means you win two games the entire rest of the year. Like, do you actually want to watch that? I don't, you don't. And I don't know. It, it, I just want to know if you're, like, when they play Oklahoma State, are you just going to be like, I want them to lose? Like, I don't I, – and I get wanting this – Administ- this football regime to end. I completely understand that. Like, it's... Right, but this regime already has an expiration date. That process doesn't need to be accelerated. Well, the question is, do they? That's the thing, because... Maybe not Ray Anderson. Right. I'm saying Herm Edwards will retire. At some point, Are yeah. A completely different argument is, what is your level of faith in Ray Anderson? It's probably extremely low understandable but the only benefit that comes from this a, a terrible four and eight whatever it would be season is herm edwards being fired i don't think ray anderson is, is yeah really on the chopping block i don't think that would be a scenario yeah you're right ray anderson is fired so if if your issue is with ray anderson it could be with herm edwards as well but what i'm saying is the the end the, the ultimate scenario that you are hoping for by wanting this team to lose is already going to happen in the next couple of years. 
Herm Edwards is going to retire sooner rather Leave, than later, probably. Yes, in, in some form, so, whether he's fired, resigns, retires, whatever right. it is, yeah. All this does is accelerate that by a year. And there's there's still talent on this roster. I don't understand yes. why you wouldn't want to just root for them to go out and play sort of the spoiler or the, the us-against-the-world team that sort of shocks everybody. Like That's more fun than being like, yeah. oh, yeah. I want this team to go 0-12 or 4-8, whatever it is, so that we can accelerate this Herm Edwards departure right. by one year. Well, it doesn't make any sense. And what I would ask people is, think of how much fun it would be to for ASU to beat USC in the Coliseum. And I know that probably won't happen. Like, I get it. But the way it could happen is USC's defense was awful last year. Like, terrible. Jaden Daniels did not play well in the game that ASU beat them last year, and ASU still scored 30 points. So it, there is a world in which ASU just runs the ball down USC's throat, and maybe they escape with a win in the Coliseum, whatever. But the last time you go to the Coliseum as a Pac-12 game, you beat USC. Like, how freaking awesome would that be, you know? And then maybe they go 6-6, six and six, but that would still be like an awesome memory, you know? Yes. Things like that, regardless of what the result of this season is, I can guarantee you it's not going to result in a national championship or a Rose Bowl berth. So why not just root for those moments? Right. 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 Like, I, I just don't understand. Even if I, I, I think I'm pretty pessimistic about this program. I think I'm very open about that. But like, I still want to see them do well, and I want to enjoy those moments. I want to be able to see those moments happen. I don't understand why you would root against that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I will say this, like, the fact that there are even, like, a 5% group of fans, whatever, a ch- chunk of fans that are rooting for the team to lose shows you how, like, how broken the bond is with like the ad and the fan base like the so like i the i understand why like it can get to this point but i just don't understand actually being like sitting down on a saturday and watching them be like okay like don't get this third down (laughs) you know rooting for i don't know cal or whoever it is they're playing yeah like like i get it in the nfl if it's weak whatever, 17, 16, and the next Joe Burrow or who, like this upcoming draft and your team's two and whatever, you know, and it's like, okay, there's no point in us getting this third win. Like, let's just get to the draft and get whoever that next quarterback is. Like, I understand that. But again, there's like... There's some sort of of short-term solution in that scenario. Yeah. There is no short-term solution in this scenario. So it doesn't make any sense. Well, and I think, yeah, well, and I think the better way to look at it is, would be, I want the team to win. Like, I want them to win every game. However, if they don't win games, this can also be good because it will lead to likely some kind of change, you know? I think that's a better, more nuanced way to look at it. It's like, obviously you want them to win, but if they don't, it's also not the worst thing in the world. As opposed to like last year, last year you just wanted them to win every game. And that's why it was so frustrating when they blow a halftime lead at Utah. They shoot themselves in the foot a million times in Provo. They get blown out at home by Wazoo. And then they go to Corvallis and lose. Like they always go to Corvallis and lose, you know? Like... That's why those games were so frustrating last year. But this year, let's just say we get blown out by Utah. Obviously, it's going to suck, but it's not going to be like the end of the world, you know? Right. The prerequisite for a disappointing season, though, is expectation. Correct. When there's no expectation, it's so much more fun. And you're going to find that out as a Seahawks fan. Oh, I know. I'm I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. It's kind of just like the the pressure's off. You just get to watch your team suck. You got DK signed, baby. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I am getting more and more juiced up for football, man. Like, it's funny, you know, like when I was younger, I would definitely be a little bit more juiced up, like ready for the season to start probably around like June. Um, I've gotten like 
now I'm a little more like I can kind of keep it out of my mind for a bit, but you know, we're getting media days, we're getting, uh, fall camps are starting. Uh, I'm ready. I am ready to. Harris is juiced, folks. That's right. Put me in. Put me in. Your juice counter was at two. You said it twice. I was waiting for a third one, but you didn't do it. Yeah. So uh, that will conclude episode four of Stomp the Bus. Um, We will be back with you again uh, next Thursday. So hope all of you watching on YouTube, listening on uh, the podcast, the millions and millions of you out there that are 100% listening to this. Uh, we hope you have a great week and we will see you again next week. Go Devils. Yes, real quick, before we go, uh, I started a Discord server. I talked about it last week where you can talk about um, all of this stuff with other right. NSU fans. We're trying to get that started to give people a place to kind of discuss all of this, everything that's going on because there's obviously so much. Um, there's a the lot. to that Discord is going to be uh, below the YouTube video. Yep, I'll put that um, in. So go ahead and click on that. We might be able to put it in the podcast description. Don't know. Um, but there will definitely be a link to the Discord on the YouTube video. Click that. Uh, join the Discord. You can chat with us. You can chat with other fans. Um, and, yeah, join it. I want to see some people in it. All right. I love it. love the enthusiasm. Uh, this has been episode four. We will see y'all again next week. And for the second time, go Devils. Later. See ya.